Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, and welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short. Today, I'm continuing our team check-in series. And we're halfway home with this series. Uh, This is our 15th episode uh, of this series. And you can go back and look in our archives to see the teams we've already covered. Uh, This week, we've done episodes on the Nationals and the Cardinals. Today, I'm going to talk Houston Astros with Jake Kaplan of the Houston Chronicle. The best way to keep up with this series is to subscribe on iTunes. And if you like what you're hearing, please remember to rate and review. That would be a huge help to us. Uh, This show is available wherever you get your podcasts. So if you prefer to listen on Stitcher, you can find us there. Uh, We're also on Google Play, Spotify, and you can also listen to the show on Audioboom. Okay, let's get into the interview now with Jake Kaplan of the Houston Chronicle. Hey, Jake, thanks for coming on the show. Great to have you here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, there were big expectations for the Astros coming off a trip to the postseason in 2015, but they took a bit of a step back last year, missing out on the playoffs altogether. Now, we saw the club bring in a number of veteran hitters during the offseason, Brian McCann, Carlos Beltran, Josh Reddick. This seemed to be part of an overt plan, not just to balance the lineup out a little bit, but also to add some experience to this young group of players. Am I looking into it too much, or was that the intention with these moves? I think that was definitely part of it. I think um, I, I don't think that was the only factor by any means. I think they wanted to get more left-handed for sure, um, with, and they did that with McCann, uh, with Reddick, and with, with Beltran, who's a switch hitter, uh, and Norioki also, it's left-handed. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely not a coincidence that a lot of these guys they brought in are veterans. Um, Carlos Beltran, you know, Brian McCann will be huge in the clubhouse. Um, and, and especially with, with all these young players, they have Carlos Correa and and George Springer and uh, Alex Bregman that, that the Astros feel those guys can, can learn from, from Beltran McCann and, and some of these other guys. It was interesting to see Beltran come back because of course he had that amazing postseason with them before he signed with the Mets. And then he'd always had that enemies welcome coming back when he would uh, travel back to Houston. So I'm sure they'll get along with him pretty well once he starts launching some home runs there. Yeah, I think that'll uh, subside pretty quickly. Yeah. He, he laughed it off a couple times since the signing. And, uh, you know, he's 
he's going to be big for them. I, I mean, he was an all-star last year at age 39. And, um, you know, I think his OPS last year would have been second best on, on the Astros if he was on their team uh, behind only Altuve. So uh, even despite his age, he, he, he's going to produce and uh, probably hit fifth, fifth or so for them in, in, a, in a loaded lineup. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, when looking at why the Astros regressed a bit last year, the player who really stood out is Dallas Keuchel. After winning the AL Cy Young Award in 2015, he pitched through what he recently described as major inflammation in his rotator cuff, posted a 4.55 ERA. How is he feeling at this point, and are the Astros confident he can lead their rotation once again? I guess so. Considering they didn't go out and trade for someone, right? Um, right. Yeah, he he says he feels good. Uh, he says he feels healthy. He's he's it's very early in in the spring. Obviously, he's he's thrown probably six or seven bullpen sessions since uh, starting his throwing program. Uh, three of those have come here in West Palm Beach uh, in the last uh, ten days or so. Um, he's just started mixing his slider. He, he's thrown everything else before that. He, he says he feels good. feels normal. Normal is a word he's been using a lot. Um, and yeah, I mean, we won't, re- it's, it's tough to really gauge him from throwing in the bullpen. He's not letting it go completely yet uh, with his, with his fastball. So uh, in terms of velocity, in terms of command control, uh, we won't really know until, until games start. And even then, uh, it'll, it might not. It might be difficult to tell until we have a, a significant sample size of, of regular season games. And what about Lance McCullers? Started last season on the DL with shoulder soreness, and then he ended up being shut down early due to an elbow sprain. Obviously, he has all the talent in the world, the most upside of any pitcher on this staff, in my opinion. But the health questions really linger here. And with that in mind, I saw that he had altered his mechanics this spring. Uh, in an effort to ease the stress on his arm. Was this something that he came up with, or was it encouraged by the team, doctors? What's the story behind that? So the Astros tried to have him adopt this modified arm action last year uh, after he had a setback when he was working his way back from the initial shoulder soreness in spring training. So this is around April, I want to say. Um, and he, he worked with it for a while. Uh, he, he debuted with it in mid-May at Fenway. Fenway. Uh, he, he pitched with it for a bunch of his starts. And then eventually, you know, it, it just kind of reverted back to his old one and, and uh, you know, what he was used to. So uh, I think he, he found it difficult to kind of make that adjustment in a short period of time while he's also coming back from injury. So this year he had the full off season to work with it, to play catch with it, um, you know, to obviously work, work in spring training with it. It looks more natural. It looks better. Uh, he looks in my untrained non non scouting eye. He looks really good in spring training uh, so far, um, and uh, but but similarly, you know, we'll see what he looks like when the season starts. Uh, the health is always going to be the the question uh, around him until he proves he can stay on the on the mound for a full season. Uh, another guy who's had some injury issues, Charlie Morton. The Astros signed him this off season, but not really a high profile name. I think. Looking at the start of the offseason, the Astros uh, appeared to be a team who were going to go out and get a starter, which you alluded to a bit earlier. Maybe Jose Quintana, Chris Archer. How close were the Astros to actually getting something like that done? And do you think it was a mistake to not be more aggressive on that front? Yeah, I mean, I think they were aggressive in in pursuing it, but I think they they are very uh, steadfast in in what they will and won't give up. They really... uh, 
they don't want to mortgage their, their future. They don't want to mortgage their farm system, uh, which I think you could argue there uh, might be a mistake in terms of, you know, they're not, you could argue they're not maximizing their, their optimal window to win, which in my estimation is two or three years. Uh, you know, they're going to be good for a long time with all these young players, but, you know, they have Dallas Keuchel for only two more years. They have Jose Altuve under, under control for only three more years. So, uh, I think you you could make an argument for sure that that, that they uh, should have gone out for a and, and you know maybe maybe overpaid for a Quintana or someone like that. Uh, but at the same time, it's tough to really to really know unless we're in the room and knowing what was uh, offered and, and right. not offered. Uh, so you know, I, I guess we'll see. I mean, it, it it could backfire for sure. I mean, if if their top two guys don't come through, if if the back end uh, uh, falls apart, you know, last September the the rotation was pretty much a a disaster uh and uh the bullpen was was overused so um you know we'll see i mean it's really i mean they they kind of just have to get to july right i mean yep if if they think the rotation is good enough to get them to july then i guess it was the right move if not if it's not then then it'll backfire and you look at the White Sox and the Rays, they, they don't really seem like they're going to be contenders this year, so they might be shopping those guys at that time anyway, and it might work out perfectly, but as you said, we'll see. Um, Jose Altuve, I mean, he had an incredible year last year, slowed down a bit at the end, so that ultimately put him behind Mike Trout and Mookie Betts and MVP balloting, but led the AL in batting average and hits career highs in home runs and RBIs. He's gone from seven homers to 15 to 24 over the last three years. It wasn't too long ago that we looked at him as sort of more of a, you know, table setter type of guy, but now he's really doing everything. I'm, I don't really have a question here. I'm mostly just saying that Jose Altuve is awesome, <laughs> and you can say whatever you want. Yeah, no, it's funny. Like, I'm actually writing a story right now. Like, you know, he he can constantly talks about wanting to get better and wanting more. And you know, I'm, I'm sitting here. Where can he get better? You look at his Baseball Reference page, and it's pretty. You know, his stats for last year pretty ridiculous so uh i don't really know how many more areas he can get better in. i i, I talked talking to him today he he says he can get better in everything uh i don't i don't know uh, <laughs> about that but um he's pretty good at everything already but i think i may be base running uh and defense uh i mean he did he relinquished the gold glove last year so i guess that's one thing um base running he, he did uh, base, uh he did tie for the league lead i think with george springer and and caught stealing so hmm. Um, maybe those are two areas, but you know, he, he's, he's a pretty complete player at this point in his career, uh, entering his, his age 27 season. It's nice to have goals. So that makes sense. Uh, Carlos Correa, uh, awesome rookie season. Uh, so expectations last year were really through the roof and probably unrealistic, uh, given his age still ended up having a decent year, 20 homers, 96 RBIs, but wasn't able to maintain that pace that he had from his rookie year. I still think the sky's the limit with him, obviously. Um, but what was the main takeaway from his first full season in the majors? Yeah, I think that it was his first full season in the majors. I think a lot of people kind of forgot how young he was. And, you know, the MVP uh, speculation this time last year was definitely a little, a little premature. Um, that being said, I mean, he could be in for a monster year this year, for all we know. Uh, he, he, uh, he, I don't know, I think he learned a lot last year. I think he, he wasn't happy with his the season offensively. And, um, you know, I think that's what he spent most of his off season working on. Um, you know, he, it's not like he had a bad year by any means, but, uh, there's definitely more there, uh, for him to untap. So, 
Uh, it'll be really interesting to watch uh, his progression, and especially now with, with Carlos Beltran here to kind of guide him. They're going to you know, not only be here together, but they're going to be in the WBC together on, on the Puerto Rico team. So, um, you know, they're, they're going to spend a lot of time together, and, and I'm sure he, he can have a big impact on, on Correa. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, two players we saw briefly last season who are expected to have big roles this year, and that's Alex Bregman and Yulieski Gurriel. Bregman playing third base. Gurriel looks like he's going to get the bulk of the playing time at first base. Bregman was a top prospect. Gurriel has that extensive resume in Cuba. I think Bregman showed a lot last year after getting off to that miserable start, but how confident are the Astros about these guys? They're very confident in these guys. And, you know, I, I do think, you know, there is a little bit of unknown with with Gurriel, especially. I mean, he was one, he's one of the best players in Cuba ever, but uh, he is 32. Uh, he hasn't played over here much. He is playing a new position. Uh, he did wear down pretty quickly last year. Um, so I think there's a little bit of unknown there. I think he's going to hit, but, um, you know, is he going to be able to play every day and maintain it over a full season? I don't, I'm not sure. Bregman, like you said, had that terrible start last year. It was like 1 for 17 and or 0 for 17 and 1 for 32, I think it was. And, uh, and then it, from that point on was, was pretty great. So um, I, I still think uh, he's probably got some stuff to learn at third base. It's, he's been playing that position less than a year. So that's probably uh, a lot of his focus right now. But, um, you know, like, like Correa last year, the league will adjust and he'll have to adjust back. So um, it's not like he's, uh, you know, a, a proven vet at this point. He's still only entering his first uh, full season. Uh, is AJ Reed still in the mix at first base, or do they feel like he could use some more time in the minors? Yeah, I mean, unless unless uh, there's some injuries, I think he's ticketed for AAA. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I think their days of of letting a prospect sink or swim at a position are, are over. I think uh, you need to kind of prove yourself before you get there. Um, at this point, I think, I think, I mean, they definitely still like him and they still think he's a, a prospect. Um, you know, he told me the other day, he feels his swing is, uh, the best it's been, uh, in pro ball since his, since his junior year at Kentucky. So, I mean, he's still a prospect. One bad year is too, too, it's not enough to write him off completely, but, um, he's definitely got some things to work on in triple A before, um, kind of working his way back into the mix, in my opinion. Right. And just looking at this potential lineup that the Astros have, Springer, Bregman, Altuve, Correa, Beltran, Redick, uh, McCann or Gaddis, depending on the day, Gurriel, um, Marisnik or Aoki, I think this could be one of the best lineups in the American League, if not the best, especially with David Ortiz retired. I think they could rival anyone. I agree. I think it's definitely the, among the deepest, if not the deepest. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if they stay healthy. Um the, the, like like we talked about earlier, they got more balance. Uh, they were very right-handed heavy last year, and they were very top-heavy last year. Uh, so they they addressed both of those things. They're a lot deeper now. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of high-scoring games. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially with their their questions with the rotation, we could see some some twelve to eights and ten to sevens. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but but we'll see. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean especially if Correa takes a big step forward. Uh, but you also probably have to account for a little bit of regression in some other areas. So um, we'll, we'll, it'll be interesting to watch for sure. Um, final question here about the closer role. Uh, Ken Giles was expected to serve as the Astros closer after he came over in the trade from Philadelphia, but had the rough spring last year. So 
A.J. Hinch ended up going with Luke Gregerson out of camp. Uh, those struggles uh, continued for Giles in the early part of the season, but he eventually was more like himself and found himself in the closer role to finish the year. It looks like Giles should be considered the favorite for saves here, but Hinch recently indicated that he plans to potentially be flexible in the late innings. Uh, what's going on here? Yeah, so A.J. Hinch views himself as as progressive uh, progressive manager, so I think he's kind of reserving the right to do uh, be creative in certain instances, and you know, if there's a high leverage spot earlier than the ninth inning, he wants to be able to to not pigeonhole himself and be able to bring Ken Giles in. So I think that's kind of what he what he means when he says that kind of stuff. I mean, Ken Giles is their closer, um, unless he really struggles again, like he did last year. Um, but I, I think I think at this point it's likely, highly likely, that Ken Giles will be their ninth inning guy, Gregerson their eighth, and then Will Harris their seventh. Uh, with Chris Davinsky still there to kind of fill in the gaps. And, you know, he could be the guy who kind of maybe helps keep the rotation together uh, until July by pitching or early and often out of the bullpen if, if they get a rough start from uh, one or two of these guys. And just to wrap things up here, let the people know where they can find you on social media, Twitter, et cetera. Sure. I'm on uh, Twitter at, at Jake M. Kaplan uh, and read the Houston Chronicle. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Fun stuff there from Jake. You know, the Astros are loaded with fantasy-relevant players from the lineup with guys like Altuve and Correa and Springer and Bregman. The list goes on and on uh, to the rotation with guys like McCullers and Keuchel. Now, the best way to keep up with who to draft and who to avoid is to get the Roto World Baseball Draft Guide. The magazine is available in stores now. Uh, And there's also an online version, which, uh, as I said before, constantly updated pretty much daily uh, with new content. It has everything you need to get ready for your fantasy draft. So go to rotoworld.com for more information. You can get in touch with the show here uh, at rotoworldbaseballpod at gmail.com. Again, that's rotoworldbaseballpod at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at DJ Short. My co-host, Drew Silva, who has been doing a bunch of these episodes as well, he's at Drew Silva on Twitter. And just a quick programming note to finish things up here, we're going to start our fantasy-centric episodes next week. So we're still continuing the team check-in series, but we're also going to do fantasy-centric episodes as we get closer to the season. Until next time, take care. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.